Thanks for joining us for this message from Awakened Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you're encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from God's Word together. Today we're going to be talking about sadness. And, and when I think about sadness, I, I'm reminded of the fact that I think a lot of the things that we have talked about, a lot of the things that we haven't even talked about, can all go back to that one single emotion, sadness. I think a lot of things that we face can be traced back to that. And so I think some of us today would say, I'm not okay, I'm sad. In fact, this week I, I read a story about a guy who had a very sad day. He was a Florida man and he was working on his motorcycle and he was tinkering with the engine a little bit and, and he was revving the engine to see how it was working. Well, it accidentally kicked into gear. And when it kicked into gear, the guy was trying to stop it, but he couldn't stop it. And so he's holding onto the handlebars and he goes right through the glass patio door, shattering all the glass. And, and, and so his wife hears the commotion and she runs right in. She sees her husband laying on the ground, all cut up and bleeding. And, and then she sees the motorcycle broken up and the, and the back door completely shattered shattered. And, and so she runs to the phone and she calls 911 and, and the paramedics and, and they get there and they're taking the man out on a stretcher and they take him to the hospital. Well, while he's there, she decides, well, you know what? I'm going to try to clean up this mess. And so she goes and she takes the motorcycle back outside. She's picking up the parts. She's cleaning up the gas and she takes some paper towels and, and she's like kind of trying to clean up the gasoline around, uh, around the area. And she's wringing it out in the toilet because she doesn't know what to do with all of it. And so she's doing that. And, and while she's doing all of that stuff, her husband is released from the hospital. And when he's released from the hospital, he gets home and he's just sad. He's got all his despair and, and sorrow because he sees his broken motorcycle and you know, he sees the back, you know, door and it's all shattered and smashed in. And, and so he's just really sad about the whole thing. So he goes to the bathroom and he starts smoking a cigarette. Some of you see where this is going. <laughs> After he's done with the cigarette, what he decides to do is just flick it between his legs into the toilet only for it to blow up. So the wife again hears all of the commotion and she runs right into the bathroom and she sees that her husband's pants have been blown off and uh, that he's got burns and other things in some areas that I won't talk about today. And she goes up, oh, she runs right back to the phone, calls 911, gets the paramedics. The same paramedics come back to the house. And, and so they put him back on the stretcher. And of course, their house was on a huge hill. And they're coming down these steps and, and the paramedics ask, they go, you know, how did this happen? How did he blow himself up? And she starts explaining the story, and, and one of the guys is just losing it. He's laughing so hard that he drops part of the stretcher. The guy falls out, rolls down the steps, and ends up breaking his arm, right? That is a sad day. It's a rough day for that guy, right? <laughs> See, I, I, the reason why I shared that is because I want you to know that some of us, we have sad days, we have rough days, and so you have good company, right? But... But, but I want to hit a serious note here because I, I don't want to make, make it seem like I'm making fun of sadness or making fun of the emotions that we feel. We all have experienced sad days before, right? Days where it feels kind of like today, where it's dark, it's kind of gloomy, it's raining out a little bit. I think a lot of us, we experience days where it feels like heaviness and despair just feel so much a part of us. They feel attached to us. I think some of us would say that our tears sometimes feel like our closest friends. 
So maybe for you, the reason why you're here and the sadness and, and the sorrow and the grief that you're experiencing is because today you've experienced the loss of a family member or a friend. And sadness has just gripped you. Or maybe for others of you, it's a loss of a job. Or maybe it's the fact that every time you pick up your phone, you get on social media, you get on the news and you see story after story, image after image, and it just brings sadness. It brings despair into your life. And you're like, I don't know that there's any hope. Some of us here today, we can feel sadness and and sadness can be temporary. But for others of us, the sadness we feel is more a part of our genetic makeup. And there's nothing we could do in our own power to bring us up out of that sadness. You could say, yeah, I'm sad, but I don't want to be sad anymore. But the reality is you, it is just a part of you. It's how you are wired and you're going to struggle with sadness. So sadness can be brief, but sadness can also last a lifetime for other people. And here's the truth about sadness. It's not a discriminator of persons. I don't care if you have a lot of money, you're rich, you have everything you could ever hope for, imagine, and think. Or if you're broke as a joke and you got nothing, you're still going to go through sadness. Sadness is something we will all face. And we can do one of two things when it comes to sadness. We can ignore the difficult emotion of sadness and try to stuff it deep down inside and and not deal with it. Or we can say, yes, I'm going to experience sadness. But I'm going to not just stuff that sadness, ignore that sadness, but I'm going to face that sadness head on. So today we're going to be talking about sadness and we're going to be looking at Psalm 13 and we're going to see what David did in a season of sadness for him. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and turn Psalm 13. The verses will also be up on the screen as well. In verse 1 it says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemies be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. Verse 5. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. So what do we do in managing this emotion, this feeling of sadness, depression, despair, sorrow? What do we do? Well, the first thing I think this psalm teaches us is that we need to identify and acknowledge the source of our sadness. To identify and acknowledge the source of our sadness. I don't know if you notice this or not, but in verses 1 and 2, there's some repetition that's happening. If you look at those first two verses, what you are seeing is you're seeing David ask this question four different times. He's like, how long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? How long? And we don't know uh, what David is asking for, for how long. What's making him want to ask that question? Some people have speculated that it was him running from Saul because Saul was wanting to kill him. And he's like, hey, how long, O Lord, are you going to let Saul pursue me and try to kill me? It could be some thought that it could be his son, Absalom, who was trying to kill him. And he's like, how long, O Lord? Or that there's an illness in his life. And he's like, how long, O Lord? Or, or there's death in his life. And he's going, how long, O Lord? We don't know what's making him ask this question. But what we do know is that David felt some sort of abandonment by God. 
He feels alone. He feels like God isn't there. He feels like God is not listening to him. And even if God is listening to him, he's like, why is God not communicating back to me? Why are we not having a conversation right now? And I think for many of us who are here today, we might have experienced something, maybe physically, emotionally, psychologically, and it brings sadness into our life. And we bring it before God, and in the midst of our pain, our suffering, our sadness, we're probably like David, we're going, how long? And, and we feel all alone. And so David begins to identify and acknowledge the source of his sadness. See, like anything in life, if we don't understand where something is coming from, we're going to try to fix it the wrong way. Like, one thing for me, when my kids were younger, like any time they got stomach pains, it was always hard to identify, well, what are the stomach pains, you know? Because they, they just couldn't describe it. It's like, well, are you sick? Is it just because you're running around a lot? Is it because you're hungry? Like, what is it that's making you have all these stomach pains? And I remember one time, Dawson, my youngest son, he's probably about three or four years old. And, you know, he's, he's running around outside doing his thing. And he comes in and he goes, oh, my tummy hurts. I was like, well, maybe it's because you're running around a lot. Like, I don't know what's making your stomach hurt. And he was like, no, I think I'm hungry. And I was like, okay, well, you know what? That's fine. We'll give you some food. Makes sense. So I gave him a cheese stick and gave him some, one of his favorite fruits, uh, blackberries. And he gobbled all that stuff down. And, and then he went back and he was running around outside doing his thing. And then he came back in and he was like, oh, my tummy still hurts. And I said, all right, well, let's, you need to blow down, Charlie Brown. Like, let's just go. And like, we'll go lay down in my bed. We'll watch one of maybe your favorite TV shows. And you just need to take it easy, all right? So we're laying down, we're watching the show. And we're maybe like 15 minutes into the show. And all of a sudden he sits up and he refunds the food I just gave him, all right? Now, there is something about me. Like, I, I am a sympathy refunder. Like, I, <laughs> I do not like this. So I jumped out of that bed faster than you could ever think that I jumped out of that bed. And the only thing I knew what to do was go, Jen, you know, I called for my wife because I'm going, Bull. you know, because it's like a fire hose. That's how it came out. And so she comes right on in. She's running in. She's like, what's the matter? And she goes, my white comforter. Like, that's the thing. So it's like all covered in blue and, and all that. She's like, it's ruined. So she takes the comforter, takes care of that, and then takes care of Dawson, you know, right? Like it's priorities that you have to have in your life. You don't have to pray where the white comforter is just fine. It's still white. It's everything came out, but but the reality is, here's the point in that gross analogy, is I thought that food was going to help his stomach, but it wouldn't help it at all. That was not the source of his pain. Listen, if we're going to battle despair, if we're going to battle sadness, if we're going to battle the things that we face in our life, we have to identify the source of it. And we can't hide it from God, and we can't hide it from the people around us. See, I think so often we come to church and we hide our uh, sadness, not only from God, but from others as well. We come to church with the mask of a smile, positive conversation, when underneath it all, we are struggling. I love what the author of Embodied Hope says about this idea of being honest with God and with others. He says, when we choose not to lament, we harden our hearts. When we claim that the problems in this life are illusory, when we act as if all the wrongs from our physical pains or horrific injustices are insignificant. In short, 
When we try to wall ourselves off from suffering, we also wall ourselves off from other people and from the God who tells us that this pain is a real, if not temporary, fight that requires our attention. And I love that line. We try to wall ourselves off from suffering. We also wall ourselves off from other people and from the God who tells us that this pain is real. And I was thinking about that this week. And I was reminded in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. You can read it later. But Paul, he's like, hey, we face a lot of hardships in the province of Asia. We really went through a very difficult time. We know that with God, we're going to struggle. We're going to go through some things. But he's like, we've been comforted with the God of hope. He's like, not only were we comforted, but we also were able to comfort others as they were going through their struggles. And later, at the, towards the end of verse 10 and verse 11, he goes, hey, I could not have made it without your prayers. And who he's talking to is the Corinthian church. Listen, Paul faced a lot of difficulties in his life. He went through a lot of problems. He probably had his fair share of sad days as well, but he didn't wall himself off from other people and from God. And I think so often we just want to wall ourselves off, mask it with a smile, pretend like everything's okay, when the reality is we are hurting and we are sad deep down inside. I'm afraid that some of you have come here today, and one, you are not praying for other people, and two, you don't have people praying for you. I could not have made it where I'm at without the countless people in my life saying, I'm praying for you. I'm with you. I got so many texts this week of saying, hey, this series, God is using this series and you've got a target on your back and I'm praying for you right now. We wall ourselves off from people. I have people praying for me. I'm praying for other people. Do you have that in your life? Are you praying for other people? David is identifying the source of his sadness. Here's the second thing. We have to plead with God to remove it. David doesn't just tell us that we have to identify it, but we, he also teaches us to plead with God to remove the sadness. In fact, I want you to notice those imperatives in verse 3. He says, consider and answer me, O Lord my God, light up my eyes. See, what David is saying is, listen, it's okay for you to come to God and to be honest and to plead with God to change your situation and to remove the sadness from your life. We don't need to sugarcoat the way that we feel. We can be dead honest with God about what's going on inside of us. If you've been with us over the last several weeks, the last six weeks as we've been in this series, you'll start to notice a pattern or a theme as we've been talking. And that theme is about prayer. And listen, some of you might be going, well, Nate, I already heard this point before. Like, I get it. Like, you're starting to sound like a broken record here. But, but here's the reality. I want you to hear this. This is something I didn't discover in my life until years later. So I want to save you some heartache. I want to save you some problems. You need to be honest before God. For years, I thought I was being honest with God. Well, if I just quote enough words or, you know, if I quote enough verses or if I say the right things, if I elicit tears, then maybe I will unlock the freedom from that which I am feeling. But what I realized is I wasn't being honest with God at all that I needed to pour out my heart before God. Be dead honest, not sugarcoated, not try to figure out who's doing it best and let me try to mimic that. I needed to pour out my heart to God. Listen, I'm just trying to hammer this home. This is so important with any of the emotions that we face. We need to talk to God about it. And if you feel like you're getting tired of hearing it, I've heard it said that that's when you're just starting to understand it. 
And so we need to talk to God about what's going on. But don't just take my word for it. Don't just look at David. Job was a man who faced many different sad days in his life, right? Job had everything taken away from him. And God never explains to Job why he did it. You could read the whole book of Job. Now, we get the, the ability to see it years later, you know, thousands of years later. It tells us why, but Job never finds out. In fact, I love what Job says in being honest before God. In chapter 10, he says, I am disgusted with my life. It's like, be, be real honest, right? Like, tell us how you really feel. He's telling God, let me complain freely. My bitter soul must complain And then verse two, he says, I will say to God, don't simply condemn me. Tell me the charge you are bringing against me. What do you gain by oppressing me? Why do you reject me? The work of your own hands while smiling on the schemes of the wicked. That's real. That's not sugarcoating anything. Other parts in Job, he he looks at God and he tells God, he's like, God, I wish I was a stillborn baby because that would have been better than what I'm facing right now. It's being honest before the Lord. And the Bible teaches this idea over and over and over again. Talks about how we can be real and we can be honest with God. And the reason why David could be honest and be real with God is because David knew God. David had a relationship with God and David approached God because he knew that God was the only one who could meet him right where he was at in his depression, in his despair, and in his sadness. For many of us, I think you're like me. We're just looking for the right words. We're like, where's the prayer cloth, you know? Or can I get anointed with oil? Or, you know, if I say the right things or certain things, God's gonna take care of everything. I don't know about you, but I've never had a life situation where it was just that easy. The reality is we have to pursue God. We have to have a relationship with him through prayer, through reading his word, through community with one another. And as you have a relationship with God, as you're pursuing him, you can plead with him to remove the sadness from your life. Listen, I don't have magic words or a potion when it comes to loving and pursuing my wife, right? Like we have to go on dates. We have to talk to one another. We have to pursue one another. That's how a relationship works. God is the only answer to our sadness, our misery, and the sorrow we face. And we have to plead with him as we have a relationship with him. And you might be thinking, well, sometimes I just don't know what to say. In my sadness, I don't feel like I've got the words Romans 8, 26 has your back. It says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what's in the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. In the midst of our sadness, in our depression, in our despair, we need to plead with God. And here's what we need to know. When we literally have no idea what to say, when we literally have no idea how to express what's going on inside of us, we have the Spirit in us, praying for us, interceding on our behalf. See, there's hope. As we're identifying the source, as we're pleading with God, there is hope in all of this. And the hope is found starting in verse 5. It says, But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. 
I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Here's the last thing this psalm teaches us. It's that we should trust in God for hope. Should trust in God for hope. I want to draw your attention to verse 5 again. It says, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. Now, love is a lot deeper than the English language. But here in the Hebrew, it's the word hesed. And that means a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking love. That's the kind of love David experienced and he trusted in. He knew that in this moment of sadness, in this moment of despair, in this moment of depression, God still loved him and God was still listening to him. See, if you take a a bird's eye approach to all of these verses here, verses one through four, what you see is just sadness overtaking him. But then in that paragraph break, there's that transition from verse four to verse five. And in there, we see a change. And we don't know how long David had to wait for that change in his life. But there was a waiting period for David in his sadness. And, and, And maybe for David, this waiting period was a long time. Maybe for him, he just had to wait a very long time for God to come through in his sadness. Maybe it was a short period of time. Or maybe David was just simply praying and believing in faith that God was going to do something even though he hadn't yet. We don't know how long it took for David to wait for things to change in his life, if they even did change in his life. But here's the truth for us. When we're talking with God in our sadness, and we're asking how long, and we're praying to God to, and we're pleading with God to remove it. And we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting. And things aren't happening in our timing or we're not sure when we're going to experience joy again. We have to, like David, trust in the character of God. Because he knows the plans he has for our life. In the New Testament, Mark chapter 9. It's a story of a dad, and this is the Nate translation, all right? So there's this story of, of this dad, and, and his son is demon-possessed, and, and he goes to the disciples, and he's like, he asks them, hey, can you heal my son? And it doesn't work, and so he, he goes to Jesus, and he's like, well, maybe you can. If you can heal him, then can you do it? And Jesus looks at him, and he's like, if, like, don't you know who I am kind of thing? And he's like, you just got to believe. And he goes, Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. And I think so many of us, when we're going through something, when we're going through our season of sadness, we believe, but sometimes we need help in our unbelief. For David, he's coming to the situation trusting in God's character instead of dwelling on his sadness. And you might be thinking, well, well, why could David trust in the character of God? I think it's probably because he's already experienced the goodness of God. In his life, I don't think this was the first time that God came through for David. And even if this was the first time that God came through for David, David could look back at the nation of Israel and and David could see how God was faithful time and time again, how he never left or abandoned his people. And maybe for you, you're in a season of sadness and you're just wondering, is this ever going to end? And you're just looking in this moment. It's kind of like your hands are just in front of your face. When that happens, our perspective is just very limited. But if you step back and you look at your life as a whole, you're going to gain a greater perspective. You'll see, that God's, you'll see God's character and what he's brought you through. See, I don't know about you, but I can be a very critical person. 
I, you know, I, I, could, I, could, I typically see things in, my, in the church or in my own life that typically just, I'm like, I need to fix this stuff. But the reality is when I take a step back and I'm less critical, I begin to look and see what God has done and is doing. And what happens is I begin to find hope because I see God moving and, and God's working even in a season of sadness. In the midst of sadness and sorrow and misery, the question we often ask is, why God? And the reality is you might not ever get an answer to that question. Now, that's the answer to the question we want, right? Why God? We want that answer. But I think oftentimes what God is showing us in our moments of sadness is something much deeper. God is showing us his presence. and We can trust him and have hope in the midst of our sadness. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about anxiety. And I said, you know, we got to take a holistic approach to it. We can't just swing one side, just the medication side, because then we miss the spiritual side. And we can't just swing the spiritual side because we just miss the medication side. We got to go right down the middle. We got to bring both together. I said, I'm not a doctor, so I can't prescribe medicine. But if you need to do that, go to your doctor, get some medication, get some counseling. That stuff is all good. You should do that. It's okay to do that. You have a headache, you take some Advil. Nobody's like, (gasps) you know. (laughs) And so sometimes we need medication. We need those things. And that's okay. And so what I said was that I'm a pastor and what I can offer you is a spiritual prescription. And that's what today has been all about. Because here's the thing. There's two realities, two very difficult and hard truths for us as when it comes to our anxiety, that's important for us to know. One is because of the broken world we live in, there is sin and there is mental illness. And my fear is that for some of you, you're hearing me today and you say, hey, if you have Jesus, that's enough. Go get him, you know. You do need Jesus. He will get you through. He will help you. But that's like telling a diabetic, hey, all you need is Jesus, right? Sometimes you need insulin as well. And so sometimes we need just more than, hey, get it together. You're going to make it. You need counseling. You need medication. You also need Jesus. But here's the second thing. And I think this is even more challenging for us. And that is, well, what if God doesn't remove my sadness? What if God just never takes away the sadness that's in my life? The only answer that I can give you is that God has never promised you a life without sadness. This was not God's original intent for creation. It wasn't like God created the world and he was like, all right, can't wait to lay sadness down on these people, you know? That's not it at all. But because of the world we live in and because we're dealing with the consequences of sin, we're going to experience sadness. And so we got to find that holistic approach when it comes to our sadness. We need Jesus. And for some of us, when we're facing our day-to-day sadness and we're just going through it, we need Jesus to help us. But for others of us, it's part of our genetic makeup. It's just who we are and we can't bring ourselves out of that sadness. So we need Jesus, but we also need medication. This week uh, at our group, we were talking about our favorite uh, TV shows, and um, I I found that this might be a nice way to kind of close the message here. And I was reminded of one of my favorite TV shows, the TV show called 24. It's about 15 years old. Anybody ever watch 24? All right, some of you, some of you are like, what? So this will be a great illustration, but 
Here we go. We're going to go with it. All right. So, so there's a TV show about 15 years ago. It was called 24. And um, what was really cool about this TV show was it was about a counter-terrorist unit. It was led by a guy named Jack Bauer. And um, every episode was, uh, or every season was 24 episodes, right? And so every episode in that season was one hour of the day. So by the time you finished season one, it was like he lived one day. And so ep- season one, episode one was from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. And then episode two was 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. And three was 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. All right, all the way through until you lived a whole day. Like that guy lived very interesting hours and a whole lot. He experienced a whole lot in a day, right? Like you, you thought you had it bad. He's got it very bad. But, but, but we got hooked on it. I remember we watched it once and then I ended up going to Best Buy and buying like the six season pack because that's what was out at the time. And, and I was like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to watch every single one of these. And, and Jen and I were hooked on it. Why? Because every episode ended with, is he going to make it? Jack Bauer, is he going to survive? You know, and, and it was like, the world is coming to an end. Will he make it? Stay tuned next week, you know? And you're like hooked on it. And so we're watching this season. I look at Jen. I'm like, you want to watch another one? She's like, yeah, I want to watch another one. And then it's 2 a.m. And we're like, what the heck? We have lives. Like we need to to sit here and watch this TV show all the time. But we were hooked on it. But, But listen, we didn't need to wait and watch every single episode. All we needed to do was look in that box set and see that there was another DVD in there, right? All we needed to do was look past season one and see two, three, four, five, you know, like clearly he lived, clearly the world continued to go on. All we had to do was just look at all the rest of it. And the reality is in our sadness, in our despair, when we're asking how long, oh Lord, I can't go. And we're pleading. Sometimes all we got to do is look at our Bibles, be reminded of the truth. If you want to think of the Bible, as like a DVD. All we got to do is go to the last episode. What does the last episode say? Revelation 21, verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Here's verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eye, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. That's the hope. You know, sometimes in our sadness, we're like, Jesus, I'm forgetting that you are alive. This day is going to be terrible. I'm going to go through a sad day right now. But I know that I, even though I'm asking how long and I'm pleading with you to remember, I need to hold on to that said love, that love that's never ending, that love that's never shaking. And I've read the last chapter in the Bible and I know that you win in the end. And that's the hope that can carry me through the sadness that I feel. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.